0: Hey y'all, welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a black millennial. I'm your host, Allie B, and I'm glad you're back here to listen to another episode. This week's guest is Cassandra Dunbar. She's a doctor and boy mom that's passionate about self-care practices for black millennial women especially moms who've been socialized to be self-sacrificing since birth. She's also the host of Be Well Sis podcast. She had me on as a guest a few months back to share my mental health journey. And now she's here with us to share her birthing journey. I can't wait for you guys to hear. But before we get into the conversation with Cassandra, let's get into the next segment. Rocking with Bob. Who is Bob? Bob stands for Black-Owned Businesses this week's bop highlight goes to juvia's place juvia's place is a cosmetic brand that offers a variety of makeup products i love this brand and use it in some way shape or form every single time i put on makeup their eyeshadow palettes highlight palettes they have such pigmentation that show up so beautifully on our black and brown skin the way it shows color on our skin is just amazing like omg Of course, you can find them online at JuviusPlace.com, but they're also located in some select beauty stores across the nation. I've also purchased from my local Ulta. So yeah, just check around to see if your beauty stores carry them. Definitely put them on your list to check out so you too can be rocking with Bob. All right, y'all, let's get into the conversation. Let's unpack it. Welcome to Shades of Brown, Dr. Cassandra. How you doing, girl? I'm
1: good. How are you?
0: Doing really good. Thank you so much for being here. It's
1: I'm so excited to talk to you about your journey. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And please, it's just Cassandra. we girlfriends. You're not my patient. You're not Listen. my student. Like, yes. Not
0: <laughs> to let the people know.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, but you know,
0: for real, y'all, like this is my sis. Like we instantly became friends. We met for real, like <laughs> mm-hmm. friends for life from now on. Um, Absolutely. So let's get into it. Tell us a bit about your, um, your background, your family background, and then mm-hmm. get to, and then get into your story about the, uh, your pregnancy related
1: traumas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So I'm from New Jersey. Uh, my parents are from the Caribbean, so I'm Haitian American. Uh, I went to school undergrad in New Jersey. So I stayed really close to home. Then from medical school, I went to school in the Caribbean. So I left everything that i knew <laughs> I went to school there came back um, got married had my first son then had my second son first son was easy peasy you know i had the morning sickness and that kind of stuff um which, which sucked but it was the norm right um my second pregnancy is where it got a little interesting mm. um so i had my second um a year and a half ago he um for the most part, the pregnancy was really normal. Um, outside of my morning sickness, which was terrible, everything was more or less the same as with my first. And I compared the pregnancies a lot. Um the yeah. only difference was that around six months into um my pregnancy. I remember getting off of a phone call and the phone call was really upsetting, but it wasn't anything like traumatic, like nobody had died or I hadn't lost my job, like nothing super serious, but I remember I was really upset. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting at my desk and I felt like, for lack of a better way to describe it, I felt like he had a seizure in my stomach, like there was a really violent shake, right? And I don't remember that with my first son. So I'm just like, huh, that was interesting. So it just so happened that I had another uh, midwife appointment coming up. So I told her what had happened. And she's just like, well, you know, your vitals are good. Your blood sugar is good. I mean, you're putting on appropriate weight. He's growing appropriately. His mm-hmm. heart rate is good. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I know myself when I am pregnant, I'm a little extra anxious we'll call it and a little extra vigilant so i'm like you know maybe i'm just tripping i'm going through some stuff right now plus i'm pregnant so maybe it really is nothing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so um the pregnancy continued everything was fine ish though i was waiting for that to happen again that still like like stayed with me and the pregnancy was just a little bit different i remember with my first son like his kicks were really really strong um and when i had like my later on ultrasounds the the ultrasound text would would mention oh my goodness he has some really strong legs Like his kicks must hurt I'm just like well thank you yes because I thought I was being a baby (laughs) like yeah no he has really strong quads and he still does Um, he's a runner right now (laughs) Um, they're like yeah he has strong kicks but with my second pregnancy like his kicks were like mild so I'm like well maybe he's just a different baby you know because they Mm -hmm. are two separate people I I shouldn't compare them the way I do Mm -hmm. um and towards so with my first I'm sorry I'm gonna go back with my first at, as soon as I got to around 34 weeks, 33 weeks, every checkup, they would see that my cervix was dilating. So um, they were like, wow, he's getting ready to come really, really soon. So they were hoping that he stayed um, in until he was term and he did, but he came at like 37 weeks, close to 38 weeks when he came, um, came completely like on his own. Mm-hmm. Everything went as planned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With my second when I was going to my weekly, um, checkups, like nothing was happening down there. So by the time I got to like my 38th week, I'm like, all right, come on. Like, like really, there's nothing going on now. They're like, "Nope, completely <laughs> closed. I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so, um, this made me really nervous. Cause I'm like, cause normally the statistics are that your first, your second child is going to come even faster than your first child mm. because like your body already did it before. So your body's like, all right, let's just, let's just do it. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't the case. So, I was nervous um, and I begged her to give me a second ultrasound because at this practice, um, they have a pretty strong stance that they'll only do one ultrasound. The one ultrasound is just to make sure that anatomically he's growing, baby's yeah. growing properly. And he'd already, we already had that and he was. So, I'm like, I really want a second. They're like, no, you don't need one. that's not medically indicated. I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. So, um, I let her. I let her drive, uh, in this case, which I'm mad at myself for. Um, but after a while I was like really persistent because at this point it was 39 weeks and I still was completely closed. And I felt like he had been quiet all week. So I did all the things that normally wake him up. Like I drank the juice. I did the squats. I, um, did, I went on walks and he was quiet. Like like, I couldn't wake him up, wake him up for lack of a better word. So then she finally said, okay, fine, let's go ahead and get you an ultrasound and give him a a non-stress test to see if everything is okay. Non-stress test came back fine, heart tones and everything is is fine. The ultrasound, it was really, really busy because he was born around Christmas. So for whatever reason, she sent me to um, the OBGYN that's affiliated with the midwifery practice to mm-hmm. get the ultrasound done because they didn't have a machine in their office. And what was happening was the doctors were getting ready to go on their um, breaks for the holiday. So mm-hmm. they had all their patients come in. So whether you're having a C-section or whatever, they had you on the books, like, let's just get this done. So that way I have that one week or two weeks where ain't nothing really happening. Yeah. So the office is really busy. And normally the protocol is that the tech will do the ultrasound and then she'll call in the OBGYN to come and read it again and talk to you. So, I had my ultrasound done. The tech was like, he looks good. He's just sleeping, but you know, everything looks good. So she went and told the OBGYN that, and then he comes in for like two seconds after i have been waiting in the room by myself for maybe like 40 minutes. He comes in, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm super busy. I'm like, I could tell. And then he's like, you know, um, honestly, I just rereaded that what the, the tech had showed. It looks good based on your history. I don't think anything's going on. He's just taking his time. And I'm like, okay. She's like, he's like, you know, you can wait for like another, like four hours. I'm done with everybody else. Then I'll come back in and talk more. But He's like, honestly, you can just go home. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just go home. If she said it looks good, you say it looks good. I went home. That was Friday night. And I called my, this time I got a doula with my um, pregnancy. Cause I want to go the natural route, Mm -hmm. um, meaning not medicated. So I called my doula and I'm like, Hey, I just had my appointment ain't nothing happening. I'm still hundred percent closed, but baby looks good. I had an ultrasound. She's like, okay. Um, so I go to sleep and all feeling bad for myself. I don't know why I was just so moody. I was just like, Oh, poor me. <laughs> like <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> so I go to bed and I wake up at around midnight and I felt like I have was having like contractions, but I'm like, girl, this can't be contractions. Like you just went to the doctor's office. They just checked you. You're hundred percent like closed. Yeah. This can't be. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm dehydrated. Let me drink some water and go back to bed. I wake up 30 minutes later with the same pain. So now I'm by myself because I kept my husband out the bedroom like months in advance. I'm like, I want my own space. Like, I don't want... <laughs> I don't want you breathing on me. Like, I just want my own space. So he's in the guest room at this point. So I wake up and I'm like timing myself for like an hour. And then I'm like, okay, so this is consistent. Let me go wake him up and get him. So he comes into the room and he starts hiring me. He's like, oh yeah, this is happening. So so he calls the midwife to come to the house. Um, She finally gets there and I'm in a trance because it's, the pain is um, mm-hmm. more than I bargained for. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I felt like I was in outer space mm-hmm. uh, by the time she got there. And I remember I was like laying in front of my bed um, on all fours pretty much with my mm-hmm. head on like the, on the, the bed part. Yeah. And I, for some reason I had sweatpants on and like a tank top and I lift, I stand up. I'm like, I feel like I have to like feel myself, see what's mm-hmm. going on down there. She's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, feel. I put my hands between my legs and I felt something. So I'm mm. like, oh my God, I feel something. I'm like, is it the baby? So then she I positioned myself so she could see me. And she like looks and she's just like, no, it's not the baby, but the bag is hanging out. Whoa. The bag should not be hanging out. <laughs> right. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> at this point, my husband's in the shower getting ready to bathe, take his shower so that way he can drive us to the birthing center. Cause also I once had the baby at a birthing center at this time, not at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, she's like, Dorian, we got to go. Um, the bag is out. He's like, the bag, what the fuck? You mean the bag is out? And, then, <laughs> and I'm sorry for cursing, but this is my husband. Um, he's like, yeah, I don't think we're going to make it downtown because I'm about 35 minutes or so from the birthing center, which wow. is next to the hospital. Wow. She's like, I don't think we have time. Um, I think it's going to happen right here. And he's like, so I heard that, and I went from being on all fours again to I just, like, sat down, opened my legs, like, in my mind, I'm like, all right, let's just do it right here then. <laughs> so all I heard is a bunch of commotion, and I heard him say, no, the fuck we are. We are not having a baby here. He's like, he's like yeah, I can do you guys' part, but I can't take care of a baby when the baby gets here. Like, I don't I don't know what to do. So he calls 911. Um, again, I'm, like, in of space because of the pain. Next thing yeah. I know, when I come back to, there's, like, maybe eight men in my bedroom whoa um, we have the firefighters and the emts whoa. and i hear them discussing. so what are we going to do we're we going to do it here or we're we going to go downtown and then i heard my husband again he's like cursing he's like no we're not let's get her downtown yeah so <laughs> finally get downtown and um the the triage nurse is just like she's not pushing is she so i look at her because i have the sheets over my head mm-hmm. and now i'm just like no i'm not pushing yet and then she's like okay cool so bring me to into the room and then the triage nurse comes in and normally they come in by two but because it was so busy she didn't have a partner the partner was with somebody else Mm -hmm. so she goes to check how um, how dilated I am so and she in the meantime while she's putting on her gloves she's trying to talk to me and see where I'm at she's like do you want me to call the anesthesiologist for an epidural I'm just like yes because the point (laughs) wasn't to have an anesthesiologist but I'm just like my back is about to break yes please call him call him or her please (laughs) Jesus Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so she go ahead and she checks me. And she's like, oh, okay, you're about seven centimeters right now. Um, her hand's still up there. As soon as she takes her hand out, I'm like, I'm sorry, I have to push. And she's thinking, well, ain't nothing going to happen. So she's like, hey, go ahead, babe. Turn around and, you know, do what you got to do and push. So I, like, went from going to my back to go on my side. And I, like, lifted up my leg and baby came out. Whoa. And... I was in so much pain before. So I just like laid on my back. And I just like, who started to like breathe. Mm-hmm. And I just really wasn't together. I look at my husband or I hear my husband say, come on boy, come on boy. And I look at the baby and he's as white as the sheet. Um, Ooh, whoa. And the nurse like lifted up his little arm and just dropped it. Like he had no muscle tone wow. and his I was like eh, it wasn't strong at all mm-hmm. so the nurse cuts the cord and runs down the hall with the baby Jeez. and my husband follows suit like we're seeing my kid so I'm still like not quite all the way coherent but I'm just like what what just happened mm-hmm. long story short when the neonatologist and the whole team comes back my husband comes back the midwife is not with. the um My doula is back in the room. Mm -hmm. What happened was my placenta had detached early, so wow. Because of that, we weren't sure how long he had been deprived of oxygen. Oh my god! So one of his one of the baby stress reflexes is when they're in distress in utero, they'll 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 shit, and normally they're supposed to shit until afterwards. So he like. Past meconium, and then he swallowed that meconium. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. So we weren't sure what was going to happen. So I had a we had a long talk with a neonatologist who was going to be in the NICU. They put him in a medically induced coma. And this was kind of newish protocol, especially at that hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was just listening and taking it all in. I was like, hey, we're, do whatever you can do to make this to see what we can do, right? Because yeah. we weren't sure. But one thing that really stuck with me and that made, that really broke me at the time was the neonatologist comes up to me. She comes close to my bed at this point and she's just like, um, are you guys praying people? And we're like, yeah. She's like, mm. okay, well, I'm going to need for you to pray. Mm. And for that to come from your medical provider yeah. who so believe in science and and the hard facts and what they're doing Mm -hmm. made me feel like, all right, well, this probably is not going to work, but we're going to pray Yeah, we're we're going to try. Um, Yeah. So that's what happened there. He was in the NICU for eight of the longest days of my life. And the first 48 hours everything that could have gone wrong went wrong the boy had seizures his blood wouldn't clot, so he was like bleeding out so he needed blood transfusions platelet mm. transfusions um his liver failed um he had feeding tubes because they weren't going to feed him because he was literally a little naked baby on ice in the NICU mm-hmm. like because you could see all the other kids all the ones were like bundled up and like yeah. his, he was just like naked just naked, oh. literally shivering um Jesus. At one point his ear was bleeding. So we thought, okay, he probably won't be able to hear. So I'm like looking up, you know, where we can learn ASL so we can like be ready to teach him and for us to learn ourselves. Like it was a lot, but he, he made it. And at one point they weren't sure what's happening with me because they thought that our blood had crossed. And Mm. then if our blood crossed and that's the issue for me, then I would need that. My blood will clot too. But thank goodness my blood didn't clot. Um, It was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. But looking at him now, everybody who's part who was part of his medical team at that point Mm -hmm. are in shock. They're like, we have, we would have no idea that he went through all this. Because he is completely quote normal, like he's met all his milestones. Yeah, Um, I thought he would be on seizure medications for the rest of his life. He hasn't taken one seizure med um, since being discharged from the hospital. Just wow, he he's just amazing. And every time I look at him, I sometimes I get all not every time, but I often get really like full of emotion Mm -hmm. because I'm just like you're proof that. God is is real.
0: Yes, Jesus Christ, that is a lot. I cannot imagine it. Mm-hmm. I cannot. That is incredible. And like you said, like God is so real because mm-hmm. that's that sounds all kinds of traumatic for all parties involved. You, your husband, the child, mm-hmm. man, and and even your other son. You know, I don't know that he we yeah. you know aware of what's all, all what's going on, but babies can feel emotion and can feel energy and all that's going around them, the confusion and the chaos, it just sounds like, whoa. So yeah. how did that affect your mental health and pretty much the state of your family?
1: Oh, um, so I will go with the family first because you made a really good point. Um, my now five-year-old, he was four at the time, and mm-hmm. he was so excited for his brother Aww. Um, he was really looking forward to him coming home. So firstly, he came to the hospital to see me and he couldn't see his brother. He's like, so where's my brother at? So the baby's out of your belly. So where is he? And I'm like, well, we can't go see him, you know, um, because at the time there was some virus going around. There was something happening that they wouldn't, they only let the parents go see the baby in the NICU. Mm. It was something respiratory as well, but anyway. So he couldn't see the baby. Oh. Um, then I came home and he's like, "All right, stop playing." He like literally fell apart when I walked into the house without the baby. So he's just like, "Something's not right. You guys aren't telling me what's going on." He's like, "I don't like this." Yeah. Um, he didn't use those words, but he was really emotional, and he's an emotional kid because he's super intuitive. Yeah. This was around Christmas, so he was expecting. And I had hyped up Christmas to be like, you know, now you'll be a big brother for Christmas. And there was no big, there was no brother because we didn't come home until after Christmas. So that impacted him that way. My husband, I think, still has post-traumatic stress because he knew what my birth plan was. And he doubted himself in the moment because he thought that he had gone against the birth plan. I'm just like, babe, you did the right thing. Your daddy intuition kicked in. You say we couldn't handle it. And you were absolutely right, because a 30-minute drive without oxygen, he would not have survived, period, mm. Mm. you know? So, yeah, so he feels – he still beats himself up, but I'm, but I'm just like, you've done the absolute right thing. Yeah. For me, my mental health was just in shambles. Uh, just – I realize now that I was mad at my body for mm. a while. Wow. That's I felt heavy, that, And and I just like recently just thought about it and had to forgive my body, forgive myself for even feeling that way, because I felt like my body had failed me, you know? And then I was like, not really. My body did not fail me. You know, mm-hmm. my body did what she could do and she did what she had to do. Yes. Um, yes. And, and so many things are really out of our control, right? Um, yes. Yes. I, I can't wow. put that on myself. Absolutely. Um, I had a talk with um, one of my friends who's been struggling to um, conceive, mm-hmm. and she had a similar, a similar sentiment, like she's mad at her body for not being able to do what she would like. And that's a lot, and I think it's unfair to put that on ourselves, because some things really are not our fault.
0: Yes, yes, Absolutely. Man, um, when we hear stories like this, um, the things that uh, mothers go through, the, the strength you all carry, it's so easy to say, man, you're such a strong woman, right? But sometimes even that can be like, no, like I struggle, you know, That's, there's an additional layer to that when you're a black woman, because there's this sense that black women are its a strong black woman, right? And lately I've been thinking more about that stereotype, and in a lot of ways in most ways it's absolutely true. Right. Um, but there's a piece to that where sometimes we may not feel allowed to be what we truly are or or, or to feel what we're truly feeling to sit in our reality, to sit in the truth, which is I am broken. I'm struggling. I'm in shambles. My life's a wreck. Can you speak to that? Did did that affect you at all? You personally, you personally, and in your interactions with your medical providers?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, Me personally, I feel that, so postpartum was really, really hard this time around Mm -hmm. because I was extremely grateful that he had made it to the other side, right? Yes. Yes. At the same time for those, the first year I was waiting for the ball to drop. Mm -hmm. I was just waiting for like, for him to have a seizure in the middle of the night where I'm barely coherent because I'm, I'm just up feeding him, right? Mm. Um, or I was really paying attention to every single thing that he did to see if he hit his milestones the way that his brother did. Or I was just waiting for something bad to happen or for us to go to another specialist um, appointment and to see that something isn't right. Yeah. Um, so I spent my first year just tense, grateful, but tense mm. and, and depressed. Um, one thing I did differently with him is that I breastfed the entire year with my first son after three months. I'm like, you know what? This is painful. This is not for me. I'm going to give him formula. And that was that. Mm -hmm. But with my second, the NICU team, um, they, they were supportive and whatever. I told be like, listen, um, his stomach, he's had so many drugs in his system in such a short amount of time and his stomach, his gut flora may not be what it should be. So if you can breastfeed, we'd really, it would be beneficial to him. Yeah. With that in mind, I'm like, listen, that baby already went through so much. Let me do my best to, mm-hmm. to breastfeed. Breastfeed did not come natural to me. It just doesn't. Um, I have a theory that in a past life or maybe maybe, in my lineage, that we were like wet nurses because there's something about the baby wow. being on my, my breast that I just feel like I love my kids so much, but I just feel like I want to jump on my skin. Wow. Um, wow. So I pumped. <laughs> yeah. With that, pumping takes so much energy and so much time because, and for the first maybe four or five months, I had the hospital grade one, mm-hmm. so it wasn't portable. So I had to like sit there. For at least thirty minutes to express both breasts. In the meantime, I literally can't do anything. I can't attend uh, to my older son or my baby. So, it was dad who was on it, and my mom, thank God, who were on it with the kids. But imagine I'm feeding every two to three hours. He has to eat, so I'm away most of the day, pretty much just pumping. Wow. Until I found yes, um, until I found an amazing um, portable. Pump that was actually powerful because some of the portable ones are crap, but this one was actually like it, mm-hmm. it got their job done. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that, just feeling just inadequate in my time that I'm, spent, I'm spending so much time just pumping, I'm not able to be present for really present for my kids or my spouse or be a, a good daughter in, in my eyes, right? So that was a lot, and then um, just the, ex- the exhaustion that comes with being a, a parent to a newborn, yeah. Um and then just, just the feeling of being mad at myself mm. for putting blame on myself for the events that happened. Um, and then for, I, I struggled with a lot of things. So the first year was just terrible. Yeah. It was just yeah. awful. And then um, me, my, not my midwife, my doula saw that I was struggling and she was just like, girl. Like, have you been seeing a therapist? I'm like, I used to see her by scene. She's like, please go back. Mm. And I appreciate her for calling a spade a spade. Like, I needed more help. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I also felt some level of shame. Like, mm. listen, like, my mom had done so much more with so much less. Mm. How come I'm not as strong as her? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I really internalized that, that strong black woman trope which wasn't healthy because yes, you can be absolutely strong and amazing, but sometimes you're vulnerable and you're tired and you're weak and you are struggling. So I had a hard time marrying those two things. Like we can be more than one thing. Yes. Yes. Um, And then in the medical uh, situation, well, I always feel that I have to speak up more and I hate that I have to lead with my titles to feel like I get any type of like quote respect yeah. You know, I, I don't, I just want to be a patient really. But I always feel like I have to tell you who I am, what I do, whether if, if I'm speaking for myself or especially for my kids, you know, yeah. like these are my credentials. Now let's talk. Yeah. Um. I felt like with this pregnancy, I was more laid back and I, for a while I was mad at myself for not like being super forward about like, Hey this is my education and this is what I know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And looking back, like would it have helped? I don't know. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Wow. Man, that is intense. We, we often do that when it comes to the shame we feel for needing something more. Um, I was recently, my latest therapy session, we actually dealt with this, you know, like your needs are valid. Don't compare your needs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are yours and they are yours to care for. Yeah. But I think we often do that. Black women, we compare ourselves to our mothers and our grandmothers because we mm-hmm. see we see what they've done and what and the resources they had or the lack thereof. Right. Mm-hmm. But the thing I've had to tell myself is we don't know what they were going through. In their yeah. minds, we don't know what they were struggling with, right? They yeah. On the surface, it looked like they had it all together, but they could mm-hmm. have possibly been struggling with similar issues themselves, you know? They just didn't have the resources to care for themselves. So that's so real, that shame. Um, but it's a liar, though. It's like that.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: got to get rid of that, you know, and speak up. Our friend Alicia said this, uh, Alicia McCullough, on an episode she, she was here on, and she said... Um, Shame only thrives in silence. We have to speak up, yes, you know, to speak our needs. So yes. I'm so I'm so happy that your doula encouraged you to seek therapy. Yes. Um, speaking of, I'm not used to hearing mothers say they still have contact with the people who um help you know in the birthing process. So the doula is she is that typical that she or she or he stays around? Uh, yeah, after? she stayed around.
1: Mm-hmm. So that is part of her her practice, the way she does things. So she stays with you throughout um, your pregnancy, and then she gives you six weeks afterwards too. So what she did for me was, um, when I came home, she came over, She um, before Aiden was home, she would she gave me like a, a sitz bath to help mm-hmm. me heal down there. She gave me special teas. Um, and then when Aiden came home, is when she really started coming over, Aiden's mm-hmm. my second. Um, she, um, would let me shower. Like, so she would like hold on to Aiden and just, you know, tend to him as I just showered. Um, again, making teas. Um, my mom was around, so she wouldn't help. She didn't help with house, um, like household stuff. But if Mm -hmm. I didn't have my mother around, like she would do that kind of stuff too. Like she, whatever she felt that she can do to help you just be you and Mm -hmm. not necessarily a mom at that moment. Um, she, she does. And, I, I didn't really know what a doula was until I met her. For some reason, I felt like I needed a doula for this for this one, and I'm so happy I found her. And I feel like every single woman needs one. You really need that that village around you. Yeah, childbirth is a lot. You know, yes, yeah. everybody goes through it. Everybody does it, but I feel like here in the states, we we don't do it right. We really don't. We just. Um, the, the mother just goes through this traumatic process, whether or not it, it's according to her birth plan, b- childbirth is traumatic, period. Yeah. Just the nature of it is traumatic. Yeah. And you go into the hospital, one person, you come out two, sometimes three, because you might have twins or multiples mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're expected to keep these little people, these fragile bumps on logs, like <sighs> alive. And, yeah. and it's a lot, you know, and then our hormones are fluctuating and it, the way we do things in America with this, our nuclear family, it's not okay. It's not how we were meant to be. I, yeah. I, I know what I know, what I know. There's no research that necessarily backs this, mm-hmm, <laughs> but this is just, just seeing how things are done here versus even how things were done like in the Caribbean, like in Haiti. Like it's like a whole all hands on deck when the mothers get um, delivering, and after especially after delivery. Mm-hmm. Have every single auntie, every single older person, every single friend up in that house, like, mm-hmm. doing what they can, whether it's making yeah. meals, whether it's rubbing her back, tending to her other kids, mm-hmm. like, cleaning the house. Like, it's just a whole, yeah. we need a whole system. And I feel that yeah. we, we fail our women here big time. Mm. It, it, mm. It's, it's impossible to to really take care of yourself and take care of somebody else after you've just given birth. And my heart breaks for the single mothers who don't have like a, a, a support system. Cause yeah. How? Yeah. How?
0: Yeah. I ask myself that all the time, like how away, how do mothers do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're saying you believe that every mother should um, have a doula and I've been noticing mm-hmm. um, that as a trend lately, I've been seeing more black mothers. Mm-hmm especially those around my age, millennial millennial mothers, I've been seeing um, that more of them have been um, using that as a service instead of the traditional route uh, going to the hospital. Are doulas just as accessible? How do you go about that process?
1: See, I feel like it uh, depends where you are. Um, I live in Charlotte and when I looked up finding a doula, it was there was a ton. I had so many to choose from. I think if you're in a, a city or like in a major metro, You have lots of options. Yeah. For whatever reason, the woman that I chose, famous for Meta Darling, I chose her because just her spirit through the internet just like spoke to me. Yeah. She, uh, just a a black woman who I think her area of focus is being inclusive. So she works with the LGBTQ community as well. I'm just like, okay, I like that. You like everybody. So, yes, I I want that spirit around me, that energy around me. Yeah. Um, I think it depends where you are. And, I, and to your point, for sure, I feel like our generation um, mm-hmm. is very m- much more so um, accepting and trying different routes. Yes. Um, I went this route because everything went fine with my first child, but I wanted to do something just a little bit different. I don't know why I had a strong desire to do things differently, but I just felt like I had to. Yeah. Um, and with both children, I went with a uh, instead of going with an OBGYN just because, um, in my medical training, when I spent time, with, um, on the OBGYN rounds, we spent, we gave quote, normal pregnancies, the least amount of attention. Mm. Um, I just didn't like it. Like, yeah. you just, you pretty much like, oh, whatever. She's normal pregnancy. Like, whatever. Give her, like, two seconds of your time. You spend more time on the people who, you know, have other complications, which I understand to a point. But at the same time, no matter how you give birth, giving birth is a whole thing. And I felt like it just wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. It just. Yeah. I didn't like the the way that I had saw things. So mm-hmm. and, and OBGYNs, like they are surgeons. Like they're they're surgeons. Like they they are surgeons, you know? Yes. And the ones that I trained under, brilliant. If, if 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 I had like a surgical need, I'd absolutely go to them and I refer to a loved one to them. But Just the mindset, like if this is just a hair off of what I expect or what the textbook says, let's go ahead and cut, I'm just not comfortable with, which is why I went to a midwife first.
0: Yeah, and man, that's so important to speak to because... So me, you know, ignorant of all things, mother, I'm not, I'm not a mother. Um, you think OBGYN, they are to care for you in all of your pregnancy needs. Right. So that's emotionally, physically, right. Like all of who you are during that time, but it's really that they're there for that moment, right. For mm-hmm. just, just the birthing moment. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it sometimes feel that they care more. I was talking about this in a recent episode about healthcare. And one of the points we're talking about how it seems just like a, a business, right. Get you in, get you out. And so we can get that coin from you um, because. It's it's my understanding that once mothers have, um, given birth, they're on a, a clock, you know, you got to get out of here. Son, yes. we need to
1: free up this bed. Yes. Um, yes. So it just seems like just wrong. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I feel like Western medicine, it has its place and, you know, I'm grateful for it to an extent, but at the same time, being both a patient and somebody who has learned and served, I feel there's just so many gaps. Yeah. Um, Western medicine, um, the medical industrial complex in America, we put band aids, yes, yeah. patch people up, and that's it. Yeah, we don't see the whole human; we see that one thing, mm-hmm. whatever that. Let's see we could fix this thing. What about the whole entire human in front of you? Like, what's, yeah. what about the rest? So we never really truly heal people. We're not. It's not. We're not in the healing business. Yeah, we're in the patching business. Sometimes patches are great. They're they're good temporarily, but you gotta get to the root, the the source uh, of the issue.
0: Exactly, exactly. It seems that we just treat symptoms. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. We've we've noticed in the past. I don't know, five or so years, where we've seen celebrities speak out about their own experiences, particularly black women like Serena Williams and Beyonce and and talking about their struggles, right? And how even they, you know, with, with the notoriety they have, with the status they have, even they had to go the extra mile to speak up for themselves because there's this myth That black women are stronger and have thicker skin and a higher pain tolerance than any other woman. And it is literally to our detriment. We're dying. We're dying because people feel like we are stronger. Yes. To speak a bit more to the strong black woman trope, do you think that we as black women stand in our own way and wearing that? How can we help people understand that though I am a strong black woman? I have the same
1: needs as everybody else. Yeah, um, I think it comes from us not speaking up. I think when people use the strong black woman trope, it's a way to silence us, you know what I mean? Or even the angry black woman trope, like it's a way to silence us. Like, so don't speak up because you don't want to seem like you're that angry black woman, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's important to speak up. I In speaking to, like, my friends and just thinking about my own experience, I think we are just tired. Like, we're not allowed to just show up and just be, like, whether it's be a patient or be a colleague at work or whatever it is. Like, we're just tired. Like, there's just so much more energy that we have to expend on explaining ourselves and advocating for ourselves and those around us if we're parents or if we are, um, children to aging parents, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much advocacy going on and it is tiring. You know what I mean? Um, so sometimes what happens is I see we give all of that energy to those around us. Like we're advocating for those around us when it gets to us, we're just, say, uh, I'm tired. I'm just, it, yeah uh, whatever, just, I'll take whatever you give me at this point. Yeah. Cause I'm spent, you know, leftovers. Yeah. We have, yeah. we've been conditioned
0: to accept leftovers, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Even
0: mm-hmm. from our, even from ourselves, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's whatever's left.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, um, what I've learned in therapy, my main like lesson this past year has been, girl, you have to take care of you first. It's not selfish. Like you literally have to take care of yourself first because you thinking that you're giving everybody else the most or the best of you. You're literally not. You're giving them like the scraps because you haven't filled yourself up at all. So you're not giving them your best. Even yes, what you yes. think is your best is actually trash because yes. you have to to yourself. Yes. you know,
0: and that's the unfortunate part, which I believe is rooted in racism. Because you think about um, our ancestors in, in in slave times, how the Black woman literally gave all of herself, right? It, yes. It all, and, and, and that conditioning says we give first, we help first, and we think about us later. But the truth of the matter is we cannot pour from an empty cup. Yep. And I talked about this last season. There's nothing selfish about self-care. Like it, mm-hmm. is, it is critical. It is critical um, if we want to love well, if we want to care for our children well. It is critical that we take care of ourselves. Um, so, speaking of self care, can you speak to the Black millennial moms who are, you know, struggling to find their balance, struggling to find their, um, uh, struggling to just figure this mom thing out, beating themselves up, feeling shame, all those things. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, give the mom some tips on self-care, how, mm-hmm. you bal- how you balance being the strong Black woman, but still having needs and and mm-hmm. being, being a career woman? You're a doctor, but yet you have two little boys. Can you give um, the mom
1: some tips? Yes. Yeah, so one thing I will say is that I always tell my moms that you are enough. Your kids adore you because you're you. You know, um, I think we put a lot of we we guilt ourselves because we think that we should be doing X y, and Z that like Sally is doing or that we see on TV or reading books like really kids don't need that much. Like they need the the necessities to live like, you know, like shelter, food, clothing and emotional support. All the extra stuff that we put on ourselves, the kids really don't need it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if the pandemic has taught most of us anything is that what we have in the four walls of our house is really sufficient, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) um, it's not necessarily fun, but it is, it's what we need, you know? Um, so mom, you are enough. You by yourself is enough. That kid is half of you. Like they get you, you know what I mean? Um, so that was, there goes that. And then in terms of self-care, it is so important to find one hour a day just for you. One hour where you just do something for yourself, where you get to just be you, not a mom, not a wife or a partner, not a, um, a, a daughter, just be you, not a colleague. Um, I feel that I struggled with finding an hour for myself because I felt like an hour is just too much time, but really an hour and 24 for yourself, it really isn't because once you don't take care of yourself, doing whatever you love to do, it spirals. Mm-hmm. You become short with your the people that are around you. Um, you're irritable. You are physically, mentally, emotionally tired and worn out. And you are just, you're functioning at not your highest self. You know what I mean? Um, so one thing that's stressful right now for a lot of people is the fact that we are pretty much confined in our homes. You have to enforce boundaries. I've had to enforce those boundaries. Like, listen, if I'm in my room by myself at this time, like, don't just barge in, little boy. Like, please knock, <laughs> number one. And number two, if I say not right now, if it's not an emergency, like, give me that time. I'll come to you in a second. Yeah. Um, so in force those boundaries with your kids. I've learned that our kids model what they see. They don't give a damn about what we say, really and truly. (laughs) Like, they're gonna model what they see us do. So it's important that my boys know to enforce boundaries, so I have to model boundaries for them. It's important that my kids are physically active, so I have to model being physically active. Am I like... Am I, I don't know, running marathons? Nope, I'm not, but I'm doing some gentle stretches. And nine times out of 10, when I'm like on my yoga mat, like stretching, they're gonna join me. Like, just see mama do it, you know? Yeah. I don't have to ask them to. Um, Just taking that time for yourself, whatever that looks like. If it's reading a book, read that book by yourself. If it's working out, work out by yourself. Go for a walk by yourself. Um, Call that good girlfriend you haven't spoken to in a minute call her, just talk away from like, you know, prying ears. Yeah. <laughs> um, my oldest is, at, is, at, is in that stage right now. He is such a, he's like a human tape recorder. So I have to hide. <laughs> to talk to him. Um, but you are worthy of that time. I think a lot of us think that we, we don't deserve it. No, no, no. You just being alive, it's your birthright to take care of yourself
0: mm-hmm. in
1: whichever way you, you find that you, you, you express that, you know? Yeah. Um, and self-care doesn't have to be anything commercial. You don't have to go to a spa and spend hundreds of dollars for a day. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a vacation. Those things are nice. And, you know, when you can absolutely do that, but don't think there's a price tag with self-care. It isn't. It really is taking care of your soul. However your soul yeah. tells you it wants to be taken care of.
0: Yeah absolutely i love that so much i love that so 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 much um speaking of the good girlfriends you you know you, you should call when you got a moment to yourself how can the all the aunties of the world um step in to help more me mm-hmm. as me as a woman who i do not have children i tread very lightly when it comes to mothers because I have found that when i am vocal it may not always be received so i i, I tend to be overly cautious but could you speak to all the single women out here who don't have children um, and maybe, you know, can step up more to help the moms around them? How can we help you?
1: I think you just said it. Just ask, like, you know, how can I help you right now? I think especially with the first child, the the woman might not know what she even needs in this moment. She just knows that life is real different and that the postpartum period is so much harder than she expected or that she was even told. Um so she might know what she needs. So if you just ask her, how can you support her? Hopefully you guys have a relationship that um, is strong enough. I'm not sure that's the word or deep enough. I don't know. But mm-hmm. where she can honestly tell you what she needs and you can, you know, step in that way. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my best friend, she, she stepped up in a major way. I just called her when I was in the hospital. I'm just like, listen, I just had Aiden. Things are not good. Um, He's in the the NICU. She's just like, okay. And she's in Jersey. I'm in North Carolina. Next thing you know, she's just like, okay, I'm coming. Like she wow. was at my door. She, wow. she drove. because The ticket prices were like $1,000 because it's around Christmas. She drove like all night. Wow. And she just said, like, I don't know what happened, but you didn't sound good. And you said that he's the NICU. So I'm here. I don't know what to do, but I'm here. Mm. Um, wow. And yeah, so we just laid in bed and watched movies together mm-hmm. and- yeah. And then when she was able to come visit, she came and visited with him. I said that she was my sister, which she is. <laughs> um, so she came and saw him at the hospital with me. And yeah, just, just sometimes just the presence is all, we, is all we really need.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right, aunties. Y'all heard her. Let's step up. Um, Meet me, <laughs> me included. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. This was like breathtaking and whew, like... It, Man, it it just makes me so grateful for so much and for, and even for you, like meeting you and and knowing that you've come through and and how you are excelling and now in a space where you are helping so many people through your platform, like it's beautiful. Um, So I appreciate all that you are. Um, So
1: yeah, I appreciate you too. And can I just say one thing to women who maybe are pregnant right now or who are trying to conceive or whatever it is? Please don't take my story as um, the norm. Um, I don't want you to internalize those feelings. It, it might be really scary to hear, but trust your journey, trust your body, trust your process, and trust God's got you. Um, I, I just want you to go throughout your pregnancy or your, your conceiving journey with nothing but positive vibes, <laughs> lack of a better way. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Awesome. This is just amazing. <laughs> Black mamas, you are worthy and we love you. Okay. Let's get into yes. brownie points. <laughs> uh, this is where we're going to give ourselves some love, show ourselves some love for something that we're proud of, big or small, whatever it is. I would hope that you would share with me go to um, Instagram and or Facebook and share with me under the brownie points post, what you're giving yourself brownie points for. Uh, Cassandra, what are you giving yourself
1: brownie points for this week? Oh, this was a rough week, but I'll give myself brownie points for speaking up because um, the past few weeks, if I'm being really honest, have been tough emotionally. And I spoke up and I was. I told my husband, like, I'm like, I'm not okay. Mm. I'm just not okay. Um, and that's not like me. Normally, I just suffer in silence, but this time I spoke up, it was uncomfortable, but mm. I it was received well and awesome. he's trying his best to be as supportive as he can to help me be my best. So yeah, yeah speaking up.
0: <laughs> wow, that that's so important. I actually have a very similar brownie points this week. I'm giving myself brownie points for um having a conversation to someone. I think so many times we um hold maybe like disappointment in our heart and something which can turn into resentment based on someone offending us. And, and they never know, them never knowing they offended us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a conversation with someone cause this person says this one thing that is a trigger for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and they didn't, they don't know it. They have no idea this is a trigger for me. Um, and I'm like, you know what, they're going to keep saying this and it's going to keep pissing me off. So let me just, uh, let me just say something. um, uh, and we had the conversation and, and it was, what it was fine. It's like, cool. I got it. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's some, some things can be so simple, but for me, I overcomplicate things. It's just like, well, what, what if, you know, they used, you know, like when you like, talk about those boundaries, you said earlier, like, what if I enforce a boundary and a it negatively affect the relationship? Um, but it's like, no, nah, fam, speak up for yourself. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> otherwise you're going to be the one who's suffering, right? Like they, they have no idea right, the effect of their words, right? Um, and it was something simple, right? Like, so yeah, that's what I'm giving myself brownie points for um, is, is is also speaking up. So thank you for sharing that. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you because that's hard. <laughs>
1: Yes, I'm proud of myself. I was like, uh, it, it felt so uncomfortable in the moment, but the result was way better than I imagined in my head. So.
0: Yes, awesome, awesome. <laughs> uh, well, before we close, could you please let um, listeners know where they can find you and let them know about anything else you're working on or want to share?
1: Yeah. Um, so I have a podcast. My podcast is called Be Well, Sis. It is an w- inclusive wellness space specifically created for Black women, um, though all are welcome. Um, we talk about everything that will help you level up mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Um, yeah. So join me there. And then I'm on Instagram at BeWellSis underscore podcast is my Instagram page
0: awesome and you guys her her podcast is amazing it is wonderful so helpful um i find myself like going to your page very often to just get like a a boost of energy a boost of support a boost of like uh, like just you know that you need that like you go girl right and i get that i get that from you often so thank you
1: (laughs) oh i'm happy you know i feel like sometimes the things that i I think in my head, don't just translate, so I'm happy it's translating. Yes,
0: absolutely. (laughs) One thousand percent. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wow. Wasn't her story incredible? Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Cassandra, for coming on to share with us your journey. I'm sure you all enjoyed listening just as much as I did. As she stated, please go check out her podcast and please follow her on Instagram. She is always posting gems that will make your day brighter. I just love her, she's so incredible. Such a beautiful queen. Well, all right, y'all. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Shades of Brown. Please go over to Instagram and Facebook to follow me at Shades of Brown Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Like, share, comment do all those things (laughs) so that other listeners can find me a bit easier i would greatly appreciate it and black folks please know you are enough black mamas please know you are enough your creation is so divine and i love me some you so until the next episode be healthy be whole be healed